Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I am your excited host today, Dr. Sherry. I'm Dr. Sherry every other day, by the way. But I'm excited today to bring to you my friend, Michelle Kuzmik. She is a business and productivity strategist. Yes, she helps women figure out how and what they need to do and when they need to do it. You know that ugly word, systems? She loves it. So if you're looking for a system for your business, for your life, so that you can attend to the stuff that matters, she's your woman. But guess what? I don't just promote anybody on the show. I promote people who I know have been there, done that, and not only that, are doing it. So today, because the theme of season four is Thriving Alone, my dear friend Michelle has agreed to come on the show and talk about Thriving Alone through and after divorce. So I know a lot of you, unfortunately, the statistics don't lie, over half of all marriages will end in divorce. And a lot of us, let's face it, we can find ourselves feeling alone both inside of a relationship and in the aftermath of the dissolution of a relationship. So I'm gonna get out of the way and invite my friend, Michelle Kuzmik, to let us know what she learned about thriving in those alone spaces after divorce. Please enjoy my conversation with Michelle Kuzmik. Michelle Kuzmik, thank you so much for joining me for the show. It's good to have you here today. It's good to be here and it's good to see your beautiful face too. We had only talked on the phone before, so I, I kind of like this. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so true because I think originally when you and I met, we did connect via phone and typically these days I'm trying to do as many Zoom calls as possible, but I don't think you and I even tried to do that. We just talked on the phone. We didn't. I don't know why, but um, but anyway, yeah. it's good because the only vision I have of you in my head has been the flowy red, red dress on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and which is really funny because so now I have like a more serious picture okay. for season four okay. of the podcast. Not that the, I mean, the other picture was... It was fun. It was me. It was reflective of me, but I just decided to go a little bit more serious. Uh So I just got my new artwork finished. So I'm excited to show that off for season four when this episode launches in January. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's really cool. And I love your pictures behind you. Is that all of your family? No. Um, so the I've been a photographer for 20 years. And okay. um, those are my senior spokesmodels from the class of 2020. Um, I wow. do the, the office that I'm in is where I show all my proofs and things. So that is okay. my 2020 girls. Now, the one in the middle and the paint, that is my daughter because she's a 2020 okay. graduate. But Okay. Wow. So I've got a question for you there because 2020 graduations look quite different across the nation, across the world, really. Yeah. Um, So were the photo shoots any different? Because I'm assuming that you've done this, you know, these these senior photo shoots for years. So what was different about this year? Um, So um, the difference, honestly, was, and everybody laughs when I say this, is that um, people spent a whole lot more money. Um, what what I seen happening, and this wasn't for the class of 2020 because they were graduated and done, but okay. the, um, the incoming 2021 class, which I shoot mm-hmm. from mainly June through November, they do it before the senior year gets started, they're casuals. Um, 
the the parents were spending a lot more money because I think that they just wanted to do something extra special because we don't Got know it. what the world is going to look like. Um, so what did that extra special look like? So I have um, four different packages and one of them is an album. And um, that basically tells the whole story of them. Mm -hmm. It shows off their, um, you know, the things that they really like, um, sports, whatever it be. Um, And then it has a quote in the beginning and then closes out with their formal senior picture. And typically, um, you know, if you know anything about sales, you know, you want people to buy what's in the middle. That's what you gear toward is people buying the middle package. And that's what normally people buy. And the album has always been my highest. And this year I had 52 seniors, which was my highest year ever in 20 years. Um, and I sold, Oh my goodness. I sold 22 albums and normally, so basically half. Yeah. And normally an average year Mm -hmm. I might sell five. Um, Oh yeah. So that's what I really found. I mean, it was a blessing for me. Don't get me wrong, but that parents were really trying to go over and above to do something special for their senior. Um, I did the same thing with my daughter's graduation party. I mean, when people okay. walked in, they were kind of like, like we had um, truffles that had a diploma on it that had her name on it. Um, oh I told the event planning company, like, I want her to be like, wow, when they, yeah. when she walks in. And I normally would have never, we were going to do Chick-fil-A trays at the clubhouse and stuff, but you know, right. I really, here's your Polynesian sauce. Yeah. Right? So, and she was fine with that. Um, yeah. So that's what I've seen. Of course she would have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, parents are really trying to go over and above to do something special for their seniors. <laughs> So I, okay. So now that you say that, that might be our segue into our topic today, or it might not, you might mm-hmm. correct me, Okay, but um, it's interesting because in my work, in my past work as a, you know, practicing clinical psychologist, and even now talking with friends and, and people that I know and people that I coach, there is a tendency toward, um, overcompensation mm-hmm. uh, to address, to eliminate the anxiety that I have, but mm-hmm. I project that onto being anxiety that somebody else might have. Um, I, I think it might've been a little bit of both. I know okay. as a parent, um, the only two times, I mean, the, the pandemic and shutdown has been, you know, a, a big roller coaster in lots of sure. areas. Um, but the only time that I, I really had a complete breakdown um, was the day that I got the email that graduation was canceled. Yeah. And like, I can remember sitting at the kitchen. It still makes me sad now sitting at the kitchen table and my three kids around me, the one that was graduating, my two others and just sobbing and them going, mm. what does it say? What does it say? And I, I couldn't get it out because I was just so yeah. heartbroken um, for what, yeah. what wasn't going to happen. I mean, it was, it was her moment. It was her day. It was all the kids. Yeah. Moment. Um, but as a parent, I mean, that's a really big milestone for you too. And it was yeah. heartbreaking for what was lost and, um, she was, her gift was a cruise, um, which obviously we didn't go on. 
Um, <laughs> you know, so the year. I'm glad you didn't go. Yeah. So the um, there was just lots of things that you know she was so excited about graduation, yeah. leaving for college, yeah. which she didn't do, and sure, um, you know that it was it was just a real real struggle. Actually, I think I've probably cried more than what she has. She's handled it really really well. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> well, right. And that was my point. Mm-hmm. So, that was my point yeah, that I uh, think yeah. that, um, you know, that, that things are, they're devastating to us from our perspective for mm. the people that we love. Right. Right. Like our kids. But if we took a step back, if you can't, because you're their mom. Right. Like, okay, right. got it. Right. Yeah. But if you're looking at that from the outside, Everybody else is seeing these resilient young adults who are rolling with the punches, Mm -hmm. who are still living life. Yeah. I mean, they're getting creative. They are not, their joy, it it hasn't been sapped. They haven't allowed it to be sapped, maybe in more minute moments. Mm -hmm. But I think um, we could learn something from this younger generation about resiliency? Um, One of the, you know, one of the questions you told me, the only question that you would ask me that would be scripted was what are you thriving through? Um, And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have an answer for myself, but I, what I really was just so proud of my daughter and the way Mm -hmm. she has just worked through everything, you know, her job, um, not knowing, going into the pandemic, not knowing, the extent of it in March, Um, you know, she had a lot of big plans and um, she worked retail, which was shut down. And, um, you know, she used the the Mm -hmm. system unknowingly because she learned that I actually teach women to manage their problems um, to to troubleshoot because she still wanted money, assuming that she was going to be going to college and everything. Yeah. and she got a job um, with DoorDash. And, okay. you know, because she was like, well, you know, I still need money. How can I do it? Mom's yeah. going to freak if I have to be around people because where we were in March, I would have been freaking. Sure. Um, and then she made an arrangement with her brothers um, to take one with them because she knew I wouldn't want her doing it by herself. And she told me yeah. it would be done by 10 o'clock every night so she would be safe. So um, yeah. just her thought process, like to not say, oh, I'm just going to be broke. I'm not going to have any money for whatever. Right. To say, right. oh, well, this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, you know, yeah. I've just been really, right. really proud to see her thrive um, through yeah. this mess. <laughs> so. Well, and that's that's the whole point of it, right? Thriving mm-hmm. is learning. It's growing. Mm-hmm. It's it's being creative. And creativity is birthed in adversity. I mean, we know this. Yes, we do. It's not, it's not news. Yeah. Um, and so the reason I thought that that might be a good segue, this mm-hmm. kind of overcompensation, because it's a phenomenon known to um, parents who have gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, you and I, when you and I talked and I shared with you a little bit about my vision for season four of the show, which is... Um, being alone and thriving. Mm-hmm. And so the goal this this season is to really just get to the nitty gritty about places where places, circumstances, moments, seasons in people's lives that they feel uh, compelled to share about in order to encourage somebody else who may be going through that season right now, right, in their mm-hmm. lives. And um, 
So thriving alone is going through a period of aloneness, whether you're physically alone or you feel alone. And um, how you thrive during that time, what you learn about yourself, how you grow, because we can either choose to, you know, curl up and heal over, essentially, wither away, or we choose to thrive. I mean, that's really, those are the two options. And so when you and I talked, I think you said um, for you that one of the times that you felt really alone was after your divorce. Yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, it's it's easier to talk about now. And the um, one of the things that how long has it been? I've Michelle? Learned, oh, gosh, it's probably maybe six or seven years now. OK, it's, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate because um, the kid's dad is like we just we have a great co-parenting relationship. Mm, um, so, you know, good. other than like that initial first year where I was kind of figuring mm-hmm. out not having a person in the house, um, we've always managed to do everything extremely smoothly. Um, so I've been very, very blessed. But I, I think one of the things that I, I learned going through it, because there were nights and I, I can still feel this in my soul, like the black hole, um, was I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't even know what to pray for. You know, sometimes like, like what do you mean? You, did you feel like you had to do something? Well, like, yeah. what, I don't know what you mean. So, yeah. Let us in a little bit. Well, so I did need to do something, you know, going into a divorce or any any life change. Lots of mm-hmm. things in your life are a train wreck. It's not just that your relationship is, um, you know, in my business. And I had been in business for about 14 years at that point, you know, was having the okay. worst year ever. And Mm -hmm. was going, of course, the perfect storm, right? right? And it was going to be even worse looking into it. And I can remember, I I tell this story now and I can laugh, but I can remember going to a photo shoot and going through a toll booth and the the guy telling me that I had to give him 70 cents and like just the rage I felt like, why would you ask me for 70 cents? I I don't even have Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm. so, you know, it was kind of just very, very lost. Um, and I, you know, all I knew to do was I just need to pray to pay the bills. Um, but I couldn't really name the emptiness either. Um, so I would just, you know, put my Bible like instead of my pillow and I would just put my head on it. And, yeah. you know, in those, there were not osmosis, God, yeah. like, put it in there. <laughs> I don't know what to yeah. say. And I know you need to yeah. somehow, but yeah. Yeah, just do something because I'm a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, very empty. But I, there were two things that I learned after the fact. And the first was feeling like you're alone and having to do things alone is really a trauma response from not yeah. having for me, it was a core family where I felt like I was taken care of, um, that I yeah, felt like yeah, I, right. could, I could reach out to. And, you know, and that right. looks all kinds of ways and all kinds of family. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, pride wouldn't let me ask for help. And, you know, the one thing that one, realizing that it was a trauma response and like, I'm not really alone. Can you? Uh-huh. Yeah, but can you dig into that more? Because I, that's not really clear. I think um, I think to me that verbiage is okay. familiar just because of my, you know, bent. 
um, in the field of psychology, but for others, it may not be. So um, what was the trauma and why was being alone or was it being alone that was the trauma response or the feeling of emptiness that was the trauma response? Well, so I think the trauma response was really the inability to receive support from others. Um, Because, you know, growing up, I never learned, you know, hey, if I'm going through a tough time, I've got someone here Mm -hmm. that really loves me and they're going to take care of me. And what about in your marriage? You didn't feel like that in your marriage? So um, I did actually. And it's funny because if I could name all the people in the world that I know has my back, it would still be my ex. (laughs) Um, But it's really hard to receive it still. Um, And it was something that I had to do a lot of thought work on. So that was one big thing that I realized why I wasn't able to open up and then I would overreact to things that happened in my marriage. Um, Cause mm-hmm. my, my general feeling is, Oh, I'm just going to shut down. I don't like we're, I'm not even going to deal with this done and shut down when what happens feelings um just in any feeling any feeling. or just difficult feelings yeah just any feelings yeah that was mm-hmm. um something i had to now did you i had did to you feel uh, yeah but did you feel i want to back up because i want to mm-hmm. I, I really want to dig in here to the the precursor of being alone so we okay. need to really understand as much as of the backstory as you're willing to okay. share, Michelle. Yeah, you're asking the tough questions. So- <laughs> <laughs> it's my job. I know my it is. It's, it's my okay. job. Okay. Um, so, so looking back on the marriage, you mentioned two words. You mentioned pride, mm-hmm. and you mentioned receiving. Mm-hmm. And so, this is a this is a historical uh, proclivity of yours to have difficulty receiving. Correct. Yes. Like your lifelong. Like lifelong and like anything. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and I think in, as women in general, we, we have trouble receiving. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the simple explanation is mm-hmm. when someone, you know, it happened at the gym this morning. Somebody was like, oh my gosh, I love your leggings. And I was like, oh, they were $5 at Walmart. It's like, I have to just. You're still going to the gym? Yeah, I'm still going to the gym. That's the only time I get to see people. <laughs> oh, girl, we are shut down. We are shut down in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, no. We All have, gyms are um, closed. Yeah. Yeah. We're ten, shut down. 10 people in classes. You have to make reservations. Mm, okay. We're six feet apart. Right. My gym is, you know, 15,000 square feet, though. So we have lots yeah. of room. It's only yeah. 20% capacity. And, yeah. Yeah. So. So, okay. So yes. we, we took a little detour yeah. there, friends, but so, that's okay. Um, but, you know, so, it's so talking about receiving. Yeah. It's, we don't, would you say, or, no, well, you know. for the most yeah. part, we don't, but yeah. would you say that because when you're in a relationship, when you're mm-hmm. in a partnership, mm-hmm. it's a prerequisite of right. the dynamic of the relationship to receive. And so if you're having difficulty, mm-hmm. so here's my tough question. Right. Okay. If you're having difficulty receiving and that's a prerequisite, would you agree that that contributed to the demise of the marriage? I would say most definitely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, okay. it was definitely. Um, and then it, you know, it got to a point in my marriage um 
where I had said what I needed so many times. Um, okay. And it wasn't happening that it was like, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm just done, you know? And, and so, yeah, it was, it was definitely, but even once I got to that point, again, it was a process, you know, nobody normally yeah. wakes up and goes, Hey, we've been married 20 years. Yeah. See you later. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, but, um, but wait, you just talked about two different things there, Michelle, uh-huh. because you said you had trouble receiving, but then you said, I repeatedly asked for what I needed. So those two things in juxtaposition, if I'm asking for what I need, were you then prepared to receive had it been offered? So at that point in my life, yes, I was. Okay. Um, okay. But then once it got to a point, it was, you know, I, I, it's like, I, you know, I don't care what you do. This isn't going to get any yeah. better. You know, it was that kind Got of it. thing. And, Got it. And I think that's true with most marriages. You say yeah. what's wrong. And um, a friend of mine from high school, um, he had messaged me the other day about something totally different. And he had said his wife had left. And, um, I, you know, it was kind of like, well, I'm really sorry. And I said, she didn't tell you. Mm. And he said, well, I mean, she said she'd been unhappy. And you know, in my brain, of course, I'm not sharing it with him. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, she probably didn't just walk out the door and get an apartment. I mean, I think she probably shared it with you for a while. But, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. and on the other side, people get complacent, too. They're like, oh, they'll yeah. get over it. You know, so there was a lot of a lot of that going on. So it, yeah. it was an empty place during that time. I, I went from my mom's house to my husband's house. Um, and although I was extremely okay. independent um, and, you know, my household ran, you know, 90%, I was taking care of everything, like in most houses. Sure. Uh, yeah. It was just, yeah. You know, when, CEO. Yeah. When um, the first time I had to make the kids lunches, because he had done that every night, the kids were still in elementary school um, and middle school when it happened. I was kind of like, how am I supposed to do all this? Yeah. Uh, so it was just, it was mm. a different, you know, it was a different kind of feeling. It was, it was a loss. You know, it was definitely a death and an emptiness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So let me ask you about this. When you're in that emptiness, when you're in those empty spaces, when you are alone, mm-hmm. because my presumption, Michelle, is that you had some level of feeling alone while you were still in the marriage. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, But now, but that is sometimes easy to distract yourself from because there's a physical presence of somebody else there. Right. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to really dig in and do the work and think about all of the stuff that you're going to learn in the alone spaces. Now you compare that then to when you, when you left and, and then you, you were physically alone. I mean, you had your kids, but in terms of, you know, adult partnership, you were alone Mm -hmm. and that's a different type of alone because it's really difficult to distract yourself. I mean, I guess you could have done that a little bit with your kids, but but you answered that for us. Was did you find that true for yourself that you distri- were able to distract yourself from <clears throat> going into and sitting in those alone spaces while you were married versus when you weren't? Yeah, um, you know, just having the physical presence here was a, a different kind of alone. And for the last few years of my marriage, I would go up to bed about eight o'clock. Um, and although I would be in bed, you know 
alone. I never, it, it wasn't the same emptiness as like a complete empty house um, when the kids were gone with their dad. Um, it was a, a totally different kind of, um, you know, alone. Um, so what, what kind of things came up for you in that space, in that alone space, when you, when the kids were, were with their dad and you were alone, what kinds of things would swirl through your head? Because that's, what's going to resonate with the people listening right now. Um, sadness, uh, a lot of anger. Um, you know, there was a lot of disappointment in myself. Mm. Um, like, like no- about what? You know, everything. Uh, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? Uh-huh. Nobody loves me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things, yeah. you know, just, you know, just, you know, you second guess everything that yeah. you, you know um, yeah. in your heart. But it also gives you the opportunity to sit back and go, okay, wait a minute. Let's take a breath here. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. today I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to function for 10 minutes. <laughs> Tomorrow, okay, yeah, twenty, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, um, and so when I when I finally started to pull myself out of it, and you know, it was it was anger and rage, and just um, you know, there was a lot of jealousy. Uh, you know, one of the mm-hmm. pivotal moments in in my life actually um, came when I was on Facebook and I was um, watching people. And this was right after the episode that I was mad because I didn't have 70 cents for the toll. And, um, <laughs> the, you know, some a mom had taken her kids to McDonald's or something. And, uh-huh. and I can just, I remember looking on Facebook and I was like, why can't I have that? You know, it's just the jealousy of not being normal. Mm. You know, what I, you know, mm-hmm. other people had something, there was something wrong with me. What I, you, so. yeah, well, what you perceived to be normal. So that's the other thing I know for a lot of people, when we're in that alone space, one of the ways that's tempting to distract ourselves from that which actually worsens that mm-hmm. is to pay attention and look at what other people have right. and are doing. Yeah. Well, because it's so, really, really easy to yeah, go, well, Oh my yeah. goodness, they look like they have it all. And we don't know, right. They could be totally miserable. They could be alone with somebody, but because right. of the lies that we tell ourselves in mm-hmm. our heads, we convince ourselves that that's something that we aren't deserving of even to a degree. Because we don't have it and they do. So there must be something wrong with us. Well, you know, and social media sets that stage so well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of a friend of mine just went through a breakup and what you see, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't share the positive and that you should share all your theories and just, you know, vomit all your personal life on Facebook. Um, but you know, for the please five, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. The five years that she, they she was in the relationship, she you know we seen the trips and um, the mm-hmm. new cars and the beautiful home and the walks by the lake and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was very narcissistic and abusive, and it ended with her trying to kill herself. And you know, mm-hmm. I I kind of that was a real not that I didn't know it. You know, looking at people's pain, um, and especially people after my marriage ended, there were so many women that came up to me because 
for all intents purposes, everyone thought that we were a solid couple. Um, you know, we'd been together 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, I don't think we've ever had a real screaming fight. Um, you know, so there were never any signs to the outside world that there was a problem. Sure. Um, but I think that a lot of women came up to me that were in unhappy marriages that I was mm-hmm. seeing on Facebook when I was in that marriage thinking, gosh, I wish my husband would bring me flowers or I wish my husband would take me to dinner or whatever that yeah. came up and shared, you know, how did you get the courage to stop? You know, how did you yeah. know it was time to leave? So that was it, it gives me a different perception of when I see things on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't. Well, fall that's the highlight that reels. Hole. Yeah, I don't right. fall down that rabbit hole. So, but but that's a really important point because I think when you're feeling alone, there's there is again that temptation to distract, and it is so easy, you know, to just pick up your phone and go through scroll, it, scroll, scroll, mm-hmm. scroll, and go, oh my gosh, oh see, I don't have that. Oh, I'll never have that. Oh, this, their life is so perfect. And, and, you know, I, I think, um, comparison is, I mean, didn't Franklin Roosevelt say it's the thief of joy? Right. Well, I think it's, it's more than that. I think it's a killer. I think it's um, a killer of your very spirit because Mm -hmm. we, I mean, we just don't know. We just don't know what's going on with other people. And that's why I wanted to bring, you know, a spotlight onto this feeling of being alone, because for you, I think you experienced it inside, both inside the marriage and then outside the marriage mm-hmm. when you were physically alone. Mm-hmm. So tell us two things, Michelle, that you have learned about yourself in sitting with those feelings that you talked about of mm-hmm. disappointment, of mm-hmm. sadness, of frustration. What are two things that you learned about yourself in that time? Well, what I did, and this is actually something um, I teach, is to kind of, you know, everybody says positive affirmations, you're amazing, don't believe, you know, whatever. Um, And for me, my mind didn't process it that way. And I, I literally had to sit down and say, all right, why do I believe I'm not good enough? You know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I sat down and I was like, okay, I think there's something wrong with me. Let me write out everything that's wrong with me. And, you know, I and I'm not saying this like, but at my core, there is truly Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me. I mean, I snap a little bit and I have some triggers and stuff like that. Um, And we all do. Right. But overall, you are perfectly designed. I have a coffee mm -hmm. mug that says perfectly imperfect. (laughs) Um, so it's really been to go back and say, okay, why do I, what caused me to feel this way? And, mm-hmm. um, and I shared this recently at a women's retreat. One of my um, big things was an incident that happened at Disney World when I was four years mm-hmm. old. And I, you know, I, I walked the ladies through it at the retreat and I said, now, does, does this mean that that four-year-old little girl is not good enough because she couldn't go on a ride at Disney World? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it was kind of just to step back and not just that, but just everything in general to put things in a different perspective mm-hmm. and ask mm-hmm. myself, why do I feel like this? Like, yeah. what is causing me? You know, um, what is causing and is that something I want to hold on to? 
Um, so that was probably the big things um, that I learned. Um, the other thing that I learned, and it sounds very cliche, is there is always a reason for your mess. Like if yeah. you sit down and really thrive through it, as opposed to yes. let it suck you dry, right. you'll find out that when you come out the other side, there was an extremely positive thing that could come out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think those were the two big things. And um, something I learned that I never had a lot of was empathy. Um, mm. And sometimes for? I for people in general. Um, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in general. I never really had a lot of empathy. And um, mm-hmm. one of my old friends, you know, he would always laugh and say, well, yeah, we know you don't care about how they're feeling. <laughs> Like, suck um, it up, buttercup. Yeah. And it wasn't that I didn't care, but it was just I didn't want to feel that way. Because in my mind, yeah. if I shut down opened, on even somebody I, else's emotions. Yeah. If I opened up mm-hmm. to those feelings. So it really gave yeah. an empathy to me where when someone's struggling, I yeah. can or they're lashing out or whatever yeah. the reason is, I can step back and say, okay. So this isn't really Mm -hmm. normal. I I mean, it's normal uh, trauma response or whatever, but um, they're probably not angry at me or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. So empathy was something I learned a lot of Mm -hmm. during that time. (laughs) Well, it sounds to me like what you really, the basis, the, the foundation of what you learned was a tolerance um, and not only just a tolerance, but maybe an, an acceptance of uncomfortable feelings. Because you said before, you just shut down with uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, I did. And um, I, I've gotten better. I'd say I'm about 75% there. There's still some, there's still about, you know, some. Well, you're still young yet. You've got, you yeah, know, the rest I, of your life to figure that out. Right? It's, um, I grew up in a real small town and um, it's pretty, for lack of a better term, ghetto now. And um, so I, you know, I'll say, oh, I'm going hope ball on you quick. <laughs> Some things can just take me to zero to 180 still, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so, I'm 75% there. It's a process. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, can you just, I, I have one more of a deeper question about oh. uncomfortable feelings and then, and then we can move on. But you you mentioned that your the why became important to you and um you know why you had the tendencies that you had or why you felt this way or why you believed this about yourself mm-hmm. um so did you discover why you had started to push painful feelings away in the first place yes i i did but it was more so incidents um, that I could say, like the incident at Disney World, I could mm-hmm. you know, say, and I, I did this at the women's retreat, what is your first memory of feeling not good enough? Mm-hmm. And so it was just different incidents that happened in my life um, that mm-hmm. I could go back and look at it outside the box and mm-hmm. and, and break it down. And, you know, it mm-hmm. starts with, taking the emotion out of it. What are the facts? Mm-hmm. The facts is mm-hmm. my mom would not let me go on a ride at Disney World. The mm-hmm. end of the story. That's what mm-hmm. happened. What did I make it mean? 
Um, and just right. the way my mind works, it, it helped me process mm-hmm. because just saying, mm-hmm. you know, my mom had her, her own mental issues and just saying, well, I mean, my mom, you know, was bipolar, probably manic depressant, mm-hmm. didn't really give me any sort of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, once I started breaking down different incidents and, mm-hmm. and figuring it out, it helped me to process it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it also helped me to figure out why I made choices that I did. Um, and, you know, it gets into the whole self-sabotage, upper limiting. And, you know, we, sure. could, we could talk for four hours about that. <laughs> well, yeah. And so I think um, what you're touching on is something that all of us as humans do, which is uh, to interpret the behavior of others as having something to do with us, not just something to do with us, but our value, our worth. Right. Right. And so the thing about being alone is that when you don't have somebody else to gauge what your worth or your value is, you have an opportunity to figure that out for yourself. Yes. Because that's, because that's what we do. We go, Oh, well, my husband brought me flowers. That must mean I'm good. I'm lovable. That must mean, right. I'm good. Right. Right. Or, oh, you know, my husband hasn't talked to me for two days. That must mean I'm not good, right? It's like right. it goes both ways. Yeah, it does. Um, it, it really yeah. does. And so when you're in the alone space, though, there's 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 a palpable absence of that. Yeah. Of and that barometer. It, yeah, and it, you, you just kind of, um, and a therapist that I was seeing at the time, her favorite thing to say to me, and it just used to piss me off, um, <laughs> Because I'm a doer. Think she was doing her job, yeah, right? Yeah. So, because I'm a doer, you know, like yeah. I, I just need you to tell me how to fix it. She would <laughs> say, she would say, and I'm glad we're on video because I can act this out. Yeah. She would say, yeah. let's just sit with this for a while. Right, right. Sit with I'm it. I'm going to throat oh, punch you, lady. You know what's going on? I don't want to sit with nothing. I'm paying you. If I want to sit with something, I'll do it at my house. You know? Right, <laughs> right. Like, sit with this for a while and see what comes up. <laughs> but so have I, you learned to sit with some of that stuff then, Michelle? I, I have. I have. Um, I, I'm still not good. My mind goes at, at 210. You know, if everybody else is driving 60, I'm driving at 210. So meditation is not my thing. Uh, but I have learned to sit with it and say, this is what's happened and I'm writing it out. So, but I can't sit yeah. in that peaceful space that she wanted me to. <laughs> Let's have some quiet. And I'm, there's nothing quiet about me. <laughs> right. Right. So, so you're a doer. So then you, I bet you didn't stay in that alone space too long that you started to fill your, fill that space with doing. I did. I did. And, um, and, and it was what, it was what I needed. And mm-hmm. I, I always, and I can't say I feel sorry, but I worry about women that they get out of a marriage, especially one that lasted like mine did 20 years. Cause we're not talking about, you know, Hey, you hung out with somebody for two or three years. I mean, this is a lifetime. I mean, I was with married to him at that time longer than like half my life. You know, so, um, and, you know, my sister said to me too, she was like, I, I mean, I've, he's been in my life over half my life. 
I, I don't know how to be without him. Um, mm -hmm. But it was, you know, it's a process. But when I see women that, you know, three months later, six months later, they're, you know, all in a new relationship and mm -hmm. life is good and they're doing whatever, I always wonder, you know, did you really process what you needed mm -hmm. to process? I, I worry about yeah. that. So, you know, I've been, you know, I, I've, I've had a relationship in between, but for the better part of six or seven years, I've, I've been alone. Um, and I know that when I go into my next relationship, I'm going to be mm -hmm. the best possible version of me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's good. You know, did I, did mm -hmm. I really think mm -hmm. that I would be single for seven years? No, that wasn't the game plan. But I also know yeah. when the time comes and it happens, I'm going to be yeah. in a really good space um, for yeah. to actually live yeah. it. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm loving being alone, man. I I, I mean, well, I wrote a book about it, but yeah. you know, after after my breakup, so yeah, I love sitting and I love sitting with it. Conversely, <laughs> I love to sit in it and be with it and process it. That's my that's that's the way that I deal with that. But um, so what do you love about being alone? Because I think that being alone gets a bad rap. Um. So. <laughs> I love being able to do what I want. Um, one of the things I, I think it, um, I, I am a control freak. Um, it does, you know, come, come from my upbringing. Uh, but I, when I was married, um, although I made a really good income and he made a really good income, I felt bad about doing things for myself. You know, because yeah. I felt like I was and it was, you know, again, that's a whole money issue, like felt like I was taking things from the family. Um, but now it, it's really cool that, you know, I, I took my kids to Disney World. We just got back Tuesday and, um, you know, I was sitting at the beach this weekend uh, or not this weekend, this summer. And I texted the kids. I was like, hey, we're going to go to Disney World. And mm -hmm. I didn't have to talk to anybody about it. I yeah. didn't have to yeah. do anything. Uh, so I really love the freedom. Um, yeah. I also, yeah. although I'm not good with sitting with it quietly, I do love my alone time. Uh, uh -huh. you know, the first few months of the pandemic and having my kids here every single yeah. day, homeschooling, um, my heart goes out and I work with the homeschool moms every day. I don't think I could have lived through that when my kids were little. I would have lost my mind. Right. <laughs> right. Um, like you can go down the street to school. How about that? Yeah. So you some, can get out of my some, face. Right some now. neighbor, yeah, yeah is going to be homeschooling me today. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. So. I love the independence. It, it, it's yeah. really good. It's I and it, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, it's yeah. really to just be able to do, and you don't have to worry about. Hey, you know, one of the things my ex he never wanted to go on a cruise, and I still haven't been able to go on a cruise because of the pandemic. And I planned sure. it. Um, and he wasn't a big traveler. Um, he also um, did not like concerts that he wasn't a big like dancer or whatever. And I like, I love it. Like you, like I'm at a concert. She's like, I got to get down on it. 
Yeah, I am in my zone. (laughs) And um, I have been to so many concerts and just really being able to enjoy me. The freedom to do stuff that you love. Yeah. Yeah. And I I got married at 22 and I, I did what you're supposed to do. I got a really good corporate job. I married a really good guy. Um, right. And I really Check. conformed Check. to what he, mm-hmm. he accepted, I, I guess is probably mm-hmm. not that he was a control freak, but um, I can remember one time. We but, went, but you conformed to what you believed you were supposed to be. Well, yeah, I did. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And um, the kids, I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if you know who Ric Flair is. Do you know who Ric yeah. Flair is? So he's a wrestler, um, you know, like like um, WWE kind of a wrestler, if you know anything about that. You know. And um, so one of the things that he would say um, in his monologue was, we're going to ride the Space Mountain tonight. And um, it was it was just something that was all through the 80s. And I watched wrestling with my grandparents. So when we were at um, Disney World, we were going through the park and I was kept telling my kids, we're going to ride the Space Mountain. And they were like, (laughs) "Okay." And um, mom's lost it. Yeah. But if I would have still been, you know, my kids see me dancing in Wawa because do you have a Wawa by you? No. Um, okay. So they I think the that's best, like a Southern Virginia. Yeah, thing. It's a convenience store. They play the best music, but they're, they are, <laughs> you know, I'm singing out loud and wah, wah. Like I never would have done that when I was married, um, because I didn't feel like that was acceptable. So just the, just yeah. the ability to be me, um, without judgment and feeling like I needed to be somebody else for someone yeah. is the best feeling in the world. But okay, so I got to ask you there because I got to hold you accountable. I got to hold you accountable to this. Both of them are your choice, right? Being being conforming and being uh, um, uh, hindering yourself from being Uh who you want to be. That's your choice, right? Yes. And now not hindering yourself from that and doing that. It's your choice. So what was the catalyst for you when you decided to change you? Um, because I never felt like I had a choice that I needed to conform to be the good girl. Um, and I, it goes back to, you know, kind of walking on pins and needles growing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if I do this, everything's sure. going to be okay. It's not going to cause any trouble. Right. Um, right. So, and I kind of went in and not that he was dominant or anything like that. Um, He didn't, my fun side did not fit well with his personality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I just felt like that's what I needed to do to keep the peace. Um, Yeah, but when did you stop deciding to be that way? That's my question. When did I stop deciding to be that way? What was um, it that made you change who you were being from day to day? um, I will tell you, and this this is funny. I I got in a new relationship. It was about three years or so after. um, And everything about me, he embraced. 
And it was a really good place for me. Like I never felt like I had to tone down. I never felt like I needed to be something I wasn't like I hated Mm -hmm. to cook. I I still hate to cook. Um, Mm -hmm. I never felt like I needed to make him dinner. It was just a really, really good place for me to, Mm -hmm. to finally be me. And then when that relationship ended, I'm like, oh, not going back. Not going back. Right, right. So there was an opportunity there for you to experience it firsthand. And then you, you said, okay, wow, I got a taste of that. I'm not going back. Okay. That that answers my question. I like like Mm -hmm. who I am and um, it's good to be who I am. So that was kind of, that was kind of the, the catalyst to it. That's, I, I love that. That's a fantastic story. You got the opportunity to see it, you saw it, and you seized it. So yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So Michelle, um, before we close out today, I want to ask you, can you share a little bit? I know that you're a photographer, but you also do some other things. Uh, you have a company called The Priority Project, and well, you work specifically with women, right? I, so it's not called The Priority Project anymore. I had to Oh, re- no. It's not. I... Um, th- I had to rebrand because of the great Facebook hack of 2020. Um, I couldn't start a new page called the priority project because then people search for it. They wouldn't know the old one, Um, which was really, it's been a good thing. Knock on wood. Um, The it's actually the prioritized entrepreneur now. And I think that that, business name really fits what I do. Um, I am a business and productivity strategist, and I Mm -hmm. work with women who are trying to run a business because they're very Mm -hmm. career career oriented, but they're also trying to raise a family and they're struggling making both happen. Um, So I kind of help women um, say, okay, what is it that we want to do? What's our priority? Mm-hmm. And and then I help them create a strategic action plan to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I love that. So how do you do that? What does that look like? Does that is that virtual coaching? Is it group coaching? Um, I do a little bit of both. I have a, a group uh-huh. coaching program. Um, I have a vision planner that I just launched. Um, mm-hmm. If they want to um, just work through it one on you know by themselves, and then I do one on one coaching as well. Okay. Beautiful. So how do people get in touch with you, Michelle? And who is your person? Like, okay, I want you to, I want you to talk to our people that are listening and those that are watching this on YouTube right now. Um, Talk to them and tell us who your client is. I know you said specifically women, but um, give us a really clear picture so that that woman sitting in her car or in her kitchen or in her office or wherever she is right now, she knows whether or not this is indeed for her. Okay, so my my person is an entrepreneur um, that has a dream in her heart to do something big with her business, but is really struggling with probably mom guilt um, and feeling scattered and Mm -hmm. overwhelmed by all the Mm -hmm. things she feels like she needs to do Mm -hmm. um, and is constantly just putting out fires. And they really want a step-by-step action plan and need a support system. So it's actually a woman that's kind of feeling like they need to do it alone. And they just need someone to say, hey, look, I've walked this road. 
this is what yeah. we need to do. That's kind of the women that I that I work with the best. Um, and once mm-hmm. we get past the mom guilt, um, it all just gets us. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. What's the best way for them to reach you, Michelle? Uh, MichelleKuzmink.com. Okay. All right. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And we'll include that link in the show notes, show notes as well. Um, And your new Facebook page. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, Michelle had, I mean, you know, so you get the pandemic, right? That's just one layer. And then you get somebody, you know, from Vietnam hacking into your Facebook page and yeah. And then, yeah, it's been, I, I'll tell you, um, when Google went down the other day, I don't know if you know that Google. I didn't even a, know Google. Went okay. Down. So Google yeah. had a glitch. Um, one of their servers went down and Google uh, had a glitch. Yeah. Google had a glitch it. and I got up and I started to log on and Google said that they could not find my user. And I was literally like, oh, wow. Oh, now my Google's gone. Somebody's taken no, my Google. Right. Yes. right. And in in the Tech pan- Sabotage 2020. Yeah, it was about seven minutes of me wanting to puke. Um, when I got a text from my kids' school that said, Hey, yeah. virtual school starts two hours late because Google's down. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that they had a glitch and yeah. it had nothing to do with you. So yeah. Michelle, is there anything that you wanted to share with us that I have not yet asked you, but you wanted to make sure that you shared with the people listening? Um, You know, I think my big thing is to just really take a look at what you're struggling with and decide, you know, are you going to work through it or are you going to wallow in it? Because um, that's really mm. the first decision. Do you, um, you want to do you want to play victim and or do you want to figure it out? Because once you decide to figure it out, you will. She doesn't mince words, does she? Yeah, Work right. through it or wallow in it. What's it going to be, baby? Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, hey, listen, I ask a question at the end of every episode and for season four, it's a little bit different, but not much. And so because the theme of the season is thriving alone, Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to leave the people listening and watching with one truth that you want them to never forget when the show ends about thriving alone. I think I just want them to know that thriving alone can be the most unbelievably amazing thing you've ever experienced if you mm-hmm. let it be. It's not mm-hmm. always the end of the world and um, and you'll make it through. And again, if yeah. you choose to make it through, um, if you choose to figure it out, you will. And you'll come out the other side a whole lot better than what you were going in. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. And hey, listen, if you know somebody who has gone through a divorce and maybe they're in those alone spaces right now, this would be a great opportunity for you to share some encouragement with them that this is not the end, that this is also an opportunity to thrive, not merely survive. Also, my friends, in case you didn't know, I've written a book about a split, not a divorce, but a relationship split, and it's called Breakup Breakthroughs. I'd love for you to check it out. The links to order off of Amazon are in the show notes. I walk you through 10 questions that I asked myself after my breakup so that I could use that experience to thrive and not just survive. 
Please also remember to check out Michelle Kuzmik on Facebook. The links are in the show notes. She also has a Facebook group called The Prioritized Entrepreneur, and it's a group specifically for women who want to build a business that thrives, but they don't want to sacrifice everything that matters. So if that's you, be sure to click on the link in the show notes and join her group. Also remember, if you would like Thriving Thoughts text messages straight from me to your text messaging inbox three times per week, all you need to do is text the word THRIVE, T-H-R-I-V-E, to the United States number 540-369-2139. Again, text THRIVE to 540-369-2139. If you're an Apple Podcast user, please do share this episode with a friend. Click five stars. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. And stay tuned for this Friday for a solo episode with me, another episode about growth. And this time I'm going to challenge your motivations to grow. And we're going to talk about what the fruit of our own growth must be used for if we and others whom we serve are going to thrive. Until Friday, my friends, remember to speak truth over the lies. Thank you.